Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 148 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And on today's episode, we'll move on to the second-to-last Power 5 conference on our list, the Big 12, which, in addition to being the weakest of the Power 5 conferences, which is why we're able to do it all in one show here, it is also the last major conference to decide on a schedule for the upcoming 2020 campaign. Keep in mind, this was recorded on Sunday, so if something happens between Sunday and Thursday, that is not on us. But before we do get to the Big 12 here, Tony, we talked about Caleb Farley opting out on last week's show and the potential domino effect that it could have on the NFL draft and players leaving school early and skipping the season entirely to prepare. Tony, have you heard anything further on that? You know, one minor name that uh, people keep asking me about that keeps popping up is Jarrett Patterson, the running back from the Buffalo Bulls. We spoke about him during our Mac preview. If if you want to go back and listen to that, he is one of my higher rated uh, prospects from the Mac after, uh, after their offensive lineman, uh, Coyote Awasika. Uh, You know, he's a smaller shifty guy. He runs hard. Uh, He consistently finds ways to pick up positive yardage. In the end, he's nothing more than the late-round pick, someone that you're. if a team, in fact, does draft him, he's going to be used as sort of a situational back, third-down type of runner. I think, you know, it's better for him to go back to school for another season. But then the argument was made to me, well, even if he does go back, is he going to raise, elevate his draft stock all that much? Is he going to move from the late rounds into the middle rounds? My feeling is no. So if that's the thought process, then I could understand why he would opt out uh, for, of the 2020 season and prepare for the 2021 draft. Nothing's finalized yet. It's just a, people poking around, asking it, a bit of information. But Jarrett Patterson, sort of a lesser known name that we spoke about back when we started these podcasts, these previews. I mean, the Mac was the first one in June, is a name to keep on the, uh, keep on the radar. Yeah, I mean, especially at the running back position, I mean, it does help to kind of keep wear and tear off of you as a guy. And and generally when you're draft eligible, a lot of times you do tend to go. We'll actually talk about a couple of people on this show that uh, were draft eligible last year that actually did not make the leap to the NFL. And we'll take a look here now ahead to the Big 12, which had 21 draft picks this past April, five of whom were first round picks. So it's a conference where even though that number 21 total is actually the lowest out of all of the power five conferences by first round picks. I mean, you can definitely find star level type of talent, especially at a school like Oklahoma, but the depth in this conference is often lacking. And that'll happen when you have just 10 teams, several of whom make really little to no impact on the draft. Tony, what can we expect from the big 12 in 2021 compared to this past season? Ain't going to be much different. I mean, Oklahoma is the driving force in this conference. As far as the NFL draft is concerned, it will be the driving force in 2021. And you may have a school like a Texas, last year was a TCU, who kind of pops up and puts a player into the early part of the draft. But it really, the, the success of the NFL draft from the Big 12 is usually dictated by Oklahoma. It's going to be no different next April. 
Now going in alphabetical order here, starting with the Baylor Bears, four draft picks in April, including second rounder Denzel Mims to the New York Jets. Jalen Hurd went day two as well back in 2019, but there are going to be no second day picks incoming for the Bears in 2021, although their top prospect is a skill player just like Mims and Hurd were, and that's senior running back John Lovett. Split time last year with 49ers UDFA, Jamichael Hasty was actually more productive per carry and has better size than Hasty, along with good speed and burst as well. And with Hasty gone, he should get the chance to catch more passes as well. And he'll be catching passes from senior quarterback Charlie Brewer, who threw for over 3,000 yards and 21 touchdowns last year, completed almost 65% of his passes. But Brewer doesn't really have great size, doesn't really have great arm strength. He's the guy that scouts do view as a late round option, though. Tony, I know you disagree. Yeah, I mean, I have him as a free agent because of what you said. He's a very good, he's a solid quarterback who I believe at the next level, you know, is a marginal game manager. He's a guy that you maybe want to have on the sidelines as a set of eyes. He's someone who's going to be the third quarterback, I believe, eternally. Doesn't mean that, you know, that that's not to disparage him. He's very good at what he does in that Baylor system. I just don't think he projects well to the next level, which is the exact opposite of how I feel about John Lovett. I grade Lovett as a six-round pick. I know he's also gotten some six-round grades from scouts. He's got decent size. He's got terrific speed for uh, when you look at the measurables, 5'10 and a half, about 210 pounds, runs and plays in the four sevens, has a burst through the hole, runs hard on the inside. This will be his year to handle the rock uh, and, and really make his mark, which I think could help him elevate up draft boards. Another name to keep an eye on, Xavier Newman Johnson, a tough slug it out offensive lineman who has got growth limitations at six foot one, 300 pounds, but he's, as we call it in the scouting business, a serviceable player. Moving along here to Iowa State and the Cyclones, no draft picks in 2020, just like five of the past six years. So obviously Iowa State, not a hotbed of NFL draft talent. And really that same thing can happen again in 2021, unless a couple of their late round juniors end up entering the draft, just like tight end Charlie Kohler. Now, tight ends tend to return to school, kind of the opposite of what I said about running backs earlier in the show, and Kohler's likely no different. He's a bit limited athletically, did have 51 catches for almost 700 yards and seven touchdowns last year, though, despite that, and he's a good blocker as well. Definitely a complete type of tight end, but not an upside target who has, you know, starter potential in the league or anything like that, but he is a great target for junior quarterback Rock Purdy, who had almost 4,000 yards passing last year and 27 touchdowns. Adds a little bit of rushing ability as well. And I know scouts do like Purdy a bit more than Tony does, but Purdy does have a second NFL option to throw the ball to on this Iowa State offense where seemingly all of the potential next-level talent is cycling at the skill positions. And that's junior wide receiver Tariq Milton. Milton is the leading returning receiver for the team with 722 yards on only 35 catches, 14 of those catches went for over 20 yards. Doesn't have great size. Does have good speed, though, obviously, as you can see on the stats. And he's shown the ability to really get downfield and make big plays. Yeah, he is a big play receiver. He's also a guy that's got some return uh, potential. You line him up in the slot. You get him in motion before the snap of the ball. Uh, you try and get him off of press coverage, and he's going to do a good job for you. You know, Brock Purdy, I have him as a six-rounder. There are some scouts that have him much higher, although – Scouts that I've spoken with who grade underclassmen did not stamp them, uh, did not grade them this year, I should say. It, it, Purdy, to me, is a step up from Charlie Brewer. He's a bit more than a game manager. He's more of a sandlot type of quarterback. He improvises when things break down to make positive plays 
which go over well on Saturday. I just don't think they're going to go over all that well on Sunday. Charlie Kohler, to me, he's a late-round pick. He's going to be a very good number two tight end at the next level. Excellent size, terrific pass catcher, has got the size to be a blocker, but he really just lacks the speed to get downfield. And Iowa State has two other uh, solid uh, senior tight ends that you got to keep an eye on, Dylan Schoner and Chase Allen. The thing with uh, Iowa State, even though they've got, you know, they have substandard talent, if you will, as far as when you're looking at it from an NFL prospect point of view, they're always competitive. And that is because they've got a great coach in Matt Campbell, who a lot of NFL teams want to talk to. But from what I've heard time and time again, Campbell, who's a younger guy, really doesn't have much uh, NFL aspirations at this point, or at least he didn't last year. But he is a name that uh, coaching them that's rising uh, in the NFL and NFL networks. Now, the Kansas Jayhawks had one pick this year, a sixth rounder and a senior bowl alum, and that was Hakeem Adeniji along the offensive line to Cincinnati. But just two selections overall, the last five drafts. And like Iowa State, not much is really going to change in that department. Junior running back Puka Williams grades out as a late rounder, could enter the draft early, even with a third-day grade, kind of like we talked about Jarrett Patterson a bit earlier. Had over 1,000 yards rushing last year, 27 catches for 214 yards. And he's going to need those receiving skills there because he is tiny. He is quick and fast, though, so that definitely bodes into his favor. Wide receiver Andrew Parchment, not quite as fast as Puka Williams. Better size, though, especially in the height department. Good production, 65 catches for 831 yards and seven touchdowns in 2019. But, Tony, I know you're not quite as high on Parchment as scouts are. No, he's got solid size and speed. He flashes ability, but there's a lot of inconsistency in his game. I see him drop a lot of catchable throws. He's got a high upside. I know that some scouts have graded him as early as a fifth rounder. I give him a fi- I give him a, a free agent grade at this point of view. At uh, this point in time, he really has to step up his production and his consistency, which is the opposite of the way I feel with Puka Williams. As you said, uh, I mean he's undersized, but he's explosive. He's shifty. He has a burst through the hole. He does a great job making defenders miss and creating yardage. Terrific pass catcher out of the backfield. Runs hard on the inside. I mean, the lack of size does not stop him from running hard on the inside. Uh, It's just that he's got size limitations. I think he's going to be a terrific third down back situational runner at the next level if used properly. Got to give him the ball in space. One last guy you got to keep an eye on, Drew Prox, the uh, safety. Has received some late round grades from scouts. Decent size, a little bit slow. More of your traditional strong safety type. Things at Kansas will start to turn around. I mean, we saw them beat Texas last year and Les Miles first year. They've just been ravaged by just by poor recruiting, you know, the past four to five years. I think Les Miles has got that program headed in the right direction. Now staying in state, moving over to Kansas State, no players drafted in 2020. Not sure if anybody is sensing a theme yet with some of the teams here at the bottom of the Big 12. But with Kansas State, that actually broke a 26-year streak of having a player drafted. I did not know it was that long, personally. There's a definite chance that 2021 actually brings a two-year streak without a pick for the Wildcats. Senior linebacker Elijah Sullivan, really the best hope for a pick on this roster, has a sixth-round grade, sized more like a safety than a linebacker, does have some ball skills and obviously some good athleticism for the position, but that tweener size is going to be a bit of a hang-up for his draft stock. Senior cornerback A.J. Parker also lacks size, doesn't have great speed or athleticism either, though. He's a good football player, but that's a recipe for a late-round pick and a depth player or a special teamer at the next level. His teammate in the secondary, Wayne Jones, 
does have physical upside. Flashed a bit as a redshirt freshman last season against both the run and the pass. Probably not really a draft consideration until at least 2022, but a guy to watch over the next couple seasons. Flashed big playability, shows good athleticism, displays terrific range, really has the playing speed or plays faster than his teammate A.J. Parker, the corner. Parker was a guy who I graded as draftable since his sophomore season. Problem is his, his game has leveled off. I have him as a seventh-round choice. I think he's maybe a dime back, but in order for him to be drafted, he's going to have, have to have a good seat campaign in 2020 and then run some pretty quick times before the uh, draft in 2021. I do like Elijah Sullivan. I mean, he is a safety at the linebacker spot, or he's, got, he's a safety-sized player used at linebacker on the college level. But he's a lot white teams wanting linebackers these days, which I say we say talk about over and over and over again. Undersized, but incredibly quick, gets from point A to point B in a nick of time, and Sullivan is physical. Sullivan will throw his pads in the shoulder into the pile. He really has no problem sacrificing his body to uh, to make the play. Show some force on the blitz, and he gets good depth on pass drops. Now moving on to the crown jewel of the conference, as discussed earlier, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners. Four draft picks in April, two of which were first-rounders. The teams had a first-rounder each of the past three seasons after they went four drafts without one. They should easily make that four in a row in 2021, whether it's junior defensive end Ronnie Perkins or junior center Creed Humphrey. Perkins had an impressive freshman season, improved last year, 21 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks before he was even draft eligible. Those are career numbers, by the way. He's fast and explosive off the edge. He's not one-dimensional either and does have some time to develop physically as well. Humphrey almost left after his redshirt sophomore season in 2019. I know Tony's a bit higher on Humphrey than scouts who view him as purely a second rounder, but Humphrey does move well out of the pivot, just needs to get stronger, which may be a big reason that he did return to school. Wide receiver Charleston Rambo, it's not going to threaten to be a first round pick, but a definite day two possibility. The only returning receiver for Oklahoma with 20 receptions, 350 receiving yards, or four touchdown catches with CeeDee Lamb gone to the NFL. He's over six feet tall, and he can get deep over 17 yards per catch last year and probably set the push for a 1,000-yard campaign in 2020. You know, here's the, uh, assuming that uh, Oklahoma can figure out the quarterback position because they've had some darn good core, productive quarterbacks there the past couple of years. Here's the interesting thing about Oklahoma. When I spoke with scouts, well, after I did my film work, Scouts who grade underclassmen gave Charleston Rambo a last day grade. They gave Creed Humphrey a uh, second round grade. They didn't even grade Ronnie Perkins, which really shocked me because I thought first, uh, first and foremost, they would have graded Perkins. Like you said, I, I mean, he is a versatile guy, comes out of a three-point stance, stands over tackle. He plays with violence. He plays with suddenness. He flashes on the scene out of nowhere. It was a little bit streaky at times last year. I think he needs to get a little bit stronger and be more consistent. But he has just tremendous upside as a pure edge rusher. And he proves it. You know, uh, he's shown it the past uh, last year where, where he was just unstoppable. Creed Humphrey, I would agree. I, I mean, Creed Humphrey, I think, is eventually a guy that's going to go late first round because of his ability to block in motion. He is mobile. He is quick. He gets out to the second level, shown the ability to redirect. He was not only good in 2020, he was outstanding in 2019. I know he was, it was down to the wire as to whether or not he was going to enter the draft. He decided to go back. We'll see if that turns out to be a good choice. Hopefully it does for him. Whatever the situation is, he's got starting potential at the next level. 
I really like Charleston Rambo, which is why I gave him a third round grade opposed to, opposed, as opposed to scouts who graded him as a midday three pick. And I think the situation is they've had so many good pass catchers at uh, Oklahoma, like C.D. Uh, Lamb, who you spoke about. Rambo's kind of been pushed to the side, kind of been the forgotten man. But he's got excellent size. I think he's someone who's going to run faster than C.D. Lamb. He's shown big playability. It's just that he needs to pick up the production, which he will get that opportunity to do so this year. They've got a couple of uh, last day picks. We've got guys that uh, great as, as last day selections to keep an eye on. Adrian Eadley, the uh, offensive tackle who could play guard. They've got a safety by the name of Pat Fields, who I've given a fifth round grade to. And they've got Ken, uh, Kennedy Brooks, the uh, running back, who I expect to have a big year. He also grades out as a fifth rounder on my board. They'll go to the lesser of two evils in the state of Oklahoma, and that's the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Like Kansas State, they lost a draft streak by having nobody selected this year after 11 straight seasons with a pick. 2021, though, should be a different story. Junior running back Chubba Hubbard would have prevented that streak from being broken if he entered the 2020 draft. Instead, he's back to coexist with head coach Mike Gundy. Now, Hubbard is an explosive back, accelerates immediately out of his cuts. He's not the biggest back, but he's not small either. Does show some power at times as well, especially at the second level when and taking on safeties and corners in the secondary. He went over 2,000 yards in 2019, also caught 23 passes. So another big season should have him squarely on the cusp of being a first-round pick and one of the top running backs available. Senior wide receiver Tylen Wallace, another skilled player who could have entered the 2020 draft, but he tore his ACL in late October, knocked him out after just eight games. But in those eight games, he amassed 53 receptions for 902 yards and eight touchdowns. Average size, solid speed, good separator, real ability to get open despite those two average-ish type of traits. And he should easily go on day two, assuming he returns healthy. So the Cowboys are likely to be pretty well represented in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, Wallace, you want to see how he returns from that knee injury. He was a guy who was projected to be a low 4-4 guy. Very reliable receiver, very smart receiver, very natural receiver. But he doesn't have the great size, comes in about 5'11", 190 pounds. And again, you want to see how he, uh, how he returns from that uh, knee injury. Evidently doesn't have the longest arms in the world, which could push him down on some boards. Chubba Hubbard, is, uh, he's got a complete game. He's got solid size at 5'11", 200 pounds. He runs hard on the inside. He shows the ability to break arm tackles, shows the ability to create yards. He's got a tremendous burst. Beats defenders into the open field, consistently picking up big yardage from the line of scrimmage, uh, has a terrific amount of upside. And, you know, in my opinion, if you're looking for your quote unquote feature back or the characteristics of a feature back, Chubba Hubbard absolutely has them. Uh, Steven Jenkins, the offensive tackle, is well liked in some scouting circles, graded as a second day pick. I have him as a fourth rounder. He's a bigger guy who's better in a smaller area. Two names to keep an eye on. Spencer Sanders, the uh, third-year sophomore quarterback who, when he was on the field last year, was, wow, just blew me away. I, I mean, his big playability, his arm, his ability to make plays down the field with the vertical game and vertical passing. He needs to stay healthy. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got an arm and he's got a tremendous amount of upside. And Rodarius Williams, the cornerback, a guy who I've had graded for the past two years. He's got solid size. He's feisty. He just needs to really polish his game and do a better job making plays with his back to the ball. Now, we talked a bit about pop-up schools besides Oklahoma in the conference. We just talked about Oklahoma State. 
Texas is probably the other one looking ahead to the 2021 draft. Longhorns had three picks in 2020 and should have several more next year. Junior offensive tackle Sam Cosme is a guy we discussed last year on the show as a redshirt sophomore. Still the same level of athlete that he was then. Slides out nicely to the edge. Can move around a bit as a run blocker as well. And he leads several potential second-day Longhorns, including linebacker Joseph Asai. A big 2019 season for Asai. 90 tackles, 13 and a half of them for loss. Five sacks and two interceptions. He's got nice size to go along with explosiveness and good range. Goes sideline to sideline. Really has all the makings of a three-down linebacker at the next level. Tony will get to a couple more of those day two guys I mentioned, but I wanted to quickly hit on senior quarterback Sam Ellinger. Scouts view him as a potential late day two pick. Some have him early, mid, day three. Tony, you have him as a late rounder, though, despite the size and the athletic ability and really the consistent improvement that he's shown as a player over the past two seasons. Why the reservations on Ellinger? He's just not very accurate. His pass placement is all over the place. I mean, he struggles hitting receivers in stride. He, he, he makes receivers work too hard to come away with the reception. He was throwing to guys like little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson that were six, five and a half. So they were able to get up in the past couple of years. So they were able to get up and grab the air and throws. I, I just don't think that that sort of inability to consistently place passes, you know, really projects well to the next level. Very good college quarterback. And like you said, there are some who grade him as a third rounder. Uh, I just don't see it as far as the accuracy. And I'm not talking about st- statistical accuracy. I'm talking about passes that are caught on the college level that will be either incomplete, def- uh, deflected away, or even intercepted on the NFL level. So that's why I really think Ellinger is a good college quarterback but he really doesn't project all that well to the next level. Cosme, like you said, was a guy we talked about last year. I really liked him a lot. I had him, I grade him as a second rounder, as do some scouts who grade underclassmen. The thing about Cosme was I was a little bit disappointed in his 2019 film. It seemed a bit inconsistent. I didn't see much improvement, but he's an athletic mobile left tackle that can be used in a a zone blocking system. He's got to get a little bit stronger, but he's got an upside. Joseph Asai is tough. He's got excellent size. He's not one of these smaller run-and-chase linebackers. He's a bigger run-and-chase linebacker who gets from point A to point B very quickly. He's outstanding in pursuit. He's fierce. He throws his body around the field. And he's someone who shows solid instincts with his ability to read and react. Keandre Coburn, the defensive tackle, is someone I really like. I grade him as a third-round pick. Only a redshirt sophomore. Goes about six one and a half. 332 pounds. He's a big guy, a wide-bodied defensive lineman who takes up a lot of room in the middle of the field, shows some power, but he also shows some playmaking ability, relatively athletic, relatively agile, uh, very quick, uh, you know, uh, and someone who I think is a good player now, in time, if he improves, is just going to move up draft boards. The Longhorns have a slew of players that I project as day three uh, players, prospects, who could move into the middle rounds, a lot of defensive backs, a lot of offensive linemen. They got a real good team this year. So I, I think really from a college football point of view, if the season goes off and the season goes off well, they could finally really uh, really challenge uh, Oklahoma and get over that hump uh, as Oklahoma has stood in their way of Big 12 supremacy the past uh, three, four years. Now sticking in the Lone Star State for our next two teams, the first one being the TCU Horn Frogs. Five selections in April's draft, two straight years with at least one first-round pick, 
three straight with a top 100 pick. Small streaks, but neither of those is likely to continue in 2021. They do have several players on the roster with late third-day potential, though, including a pair of safeties, junior Trevon Morig and sophomore Ardarius Washington. Morig has strong safety size. He's good in the box, but he also had four interceptions and 11 pass breakups in 2019. The film shows he's not devoid of ball skills either. Washington, though, speaking of ball skills, five picks in 2019. His problem, he's a bit small. He's well under 5'10". He's thin. He might not be able to stick at safety in the league. I mean, if Antoine Winfield is going to end up as a corner in the NFL, Winfield's a little bit bigger than Washington, also a better player for sure. But in the end, he's a guy that you don't want to throw the ball to, whether he's at safety, whether he's at corner, if you can help it, because he's very likely to get at least a hand on it. Terrific ball skills. I mean, someone, when you watch the film, stood out because he was constantly making real good plays when the ball was in the air. Doesn't back down to a challenge, even though he's small. I think he's got the skills to move to uh, uh, corner. Uh, as you said, you talked about the other safety. They kind of got contrasting styles. Morig is bigger. He's more physical, but he's more downhill between the tackles. The senior to keep an eye on is Garrett Wallow, who we spoke about a year ago. I graded him as a last-round pick when we spoke about him in the summer of 2019, I still have him as a last round pick. There are some scouts who feel he is a fourth round type of prospect. I like Wallow. He's got a great head for the ball. He's very physical, but his size speed numbers concern me. He goes about six foot tall, 220 pounds, and he plays in the mid to high four sevens. That's not a good combination. High effort guy, very instinctive. I just don't think the measurables are there to make him an early day three selection. And moving along to Texas Tech, who had two draft picks this year, including surprise first rounder Jordan Brooks, the second first round pick in the last four years, the other obviously being Patrick Mahomes, the new richest man in football. All third day prospects for 2021 though, headlined by senior wide receiver TJ Vasher, who disappointed us last season, not with his performance, but because he missed a really golden NFL draft type of matchup against TCU's Jeff Gladney, one we were really looking forward to here. But due to a two-game suspension, he was unable to play in that. His numbers the past three seasons all look pretty similar. His height is his biggest asset, but he can also gear down and get out of his routes at the stem too. Solid player, just not a guy who's going to blaze in the 40-yard dash. Redshirt sophomore defensive tackle Jalen Hutchings, an explosive three-technique prospect who plays nose tackle in Texas Tech scheme started 10 games as a freshman. The numbers don't pop, but they often don't pop when you play the nose. He can get into the backfield, though, and disrupt plays before they even start, both against the run and the pass. Yeah, I, I mean, getting back to T.J. Vasher, he's tall and he's thin. I mean, he looks pencil thin on the football field, but he does all the things right. I don't think he's going to wow anybody with a great 40 time, but he's a good pass catcher. He runs solid routes for a bigger guy. Also a very good blocker, which leads me to believe he's probably going to go somewhere in the top of day three. Some scouts grade him as a third rounder. I have him as a fourth rounder. I like his game. I think he's a bit more than just a tall uh, possession receiver who wins out uh, for the contested throw. He does the little things well. How fast he runs or how fast he doesn't run will eventually determine uh, where he's drafted. You mentioned Hutchings has some growth limitations. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world. They've got two cornerbacks to keep an eye on. I, ha I like Adrian Fry, the underclassman. A lot of scouts like Zach McPherson, who they grade as a six-rounder. I have both of those guys 
graded as six-round choices. Fry's got better size than McPherson. McPherson's a feisty, fast corner. Now for our last team in the Big 12, we'll head east to West Virginia. The Mountaineers had two players taken in April, safety Kenny Robinson and tackle Colton McKivitz. They actually went back-to-back picks in round five. Imagine that. But this is a team that might have trouble getting more than one selection come draft time in 2021. Sophomore wide receiver Sam James, good explosiveness and big playability, shows some return chops as well. He's effective after the catch and with the ball in his hands, but he needs to make his impact felt more on the field in 2020. Even if he does, though, probably not a part of the 2021 NFL draft or of a future consideration. However, his teammate and fellow wide receiver TJ Simmons is a senior, so he's going to be in the 2021 draft, bigger and faster than James. But last year, he had four games with over 50 yards receiving and six games with fewer than 50 yards receiving. So he's a bit up and down, and that's going to hurt his draft stock if he doesn't fix that as a senior this year. West Virginia was very difficult tape to get through, which is, has not been the uh, norm because they usually have a bunch of uh, solid prospects. I, I mean, it was just it was pick and choose. Uh, Simmons is given, uh, by, has been graded by some scouts as a priority free agent. I think he's a six-rounder when you look at his size speed numbers. But as you mentioned, a lot of inconsistency in the production, which he's really got to pick up and learn to play to his uppermost ability. Sam James, a smaller, big play type of uh, wideout who's got return skills. One last name to keep an eye on, Darius Stills, the defensive tackle. Smaller three-technique guy, very explosive good change of direction, as well as his brother, Dante Stills, who's a little bit bigger, but doesn't seem to make as many plays on the football. And that's it for the 148th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter, and we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week to start breaking down the Pac-12 But in the meantime, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Trabodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.